Welcome to another episode of Mick and Ori's Classic Cars. I'm Mick. And I'm Ori. And this episode is on the topic of Ferrari mid-engine road cars. We're starting to talk about the non-V12s, not 12 cylinders, and the evolution of the mid-engine road car. So the first one, Ori? So the V6s we're going to talk about and the V8s. Correct. So we'll talk about the Dino 206 and 246 and then evolve into the 308 GT4, 208 GT4, and then obviously make our way through the Mondial, the 308, 328, 348, and if we've got enough time, touch on the 355 and the 360. So firstly, why the V6 came about, and I'll start with saying that neither Mick, neither Mick nor Ori, not Ori, are technical experts in the matter or historic experts. We're just enthusiasts and we're chatting about things. So some of the things might not be exactly spot on, especially when we talk about dates. Yeah. The V6 started from the early days where they were Ferrari were doing Formula 2 and they needed a, a V6 or a six-cylinder to homologate, So, which means they had to have 500 production road cars to be able to run in Formula 2. And that V6 engine was developed... Entirely by Enzo's son. Well, because he wanted to race in Formula Two. I'm not sure that it was completely developed by that. Apparently, the engine was built by Fiat in the Fiat factory. So the engine itself doesn't have Ferrari written on it. The later engines, when it came to the V8s, they were built by Ferrari in the Ferrari factory. I think the Dino ones have actually got Dino on there. They could have. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. But so they bought out a 206 first, and then they needed more power, and they bought out the uh, 246, which is a 2.4-litre six-cylinder. The previous one was a, a two-litre six-cylinder. Didn't build many of them, did they, Ori? How many did they build, do you think? Of, so of the 206, there were only 152 cars produced, and that was from 1967 to 69. So they obviously didn't meet that target that you're saying. So where did they go? Where did those engines end up? Okay, so engines ended up in Fiat Dinos, which was a, a Batoni designed and a Piniferina designed. One was a Spider, one was a Coupe, and also the Lancia Stratos. I'm not sure if they were in any other car, but that's how they got their 500. Those Fiat Dinos are beautiful cars. If you've seen them, you know, Google them, have a look at them online. They are just beautiful to look at, especially the Spider. The Spider does look fantastic, and because they designed by two different schools, they are certainly quite different from each other, that is. So... After the Dino, the Dino, as we all know, is a, a great-looking car. Beautiful and car. it was in the movies. It had uh, Tony Curtis was driving one in The Persuaders with Roger Moore in the Aston Martin. It was in Heart to Heart, the TV show. Oh, was it? It was. Yeah, I don't recall that one. but <laughs> So, yeah. you know, beautiful-shaped car. That We said 152 of those were produced. They were all left-hand drive and pretty much only delivered in Europe of those first 206s. Then we evolved to the 246. Well, the 246 was uh, built for left-hand drive and right-hand drive, and we certainly have a fair few in Australia. And GT and GTS when GT. you get a 246. The 206, only GT. Although we call it a GTS, but there's no badge on it that says GTS, even though it's a No, it's just at the removable roof. That's that correct. You can tell. Yep. It's got that black roof um, that can be removed, obviously, and that makes it the GTS. Yeah. And so the two... 206 started in about 1967, 67, yep. and it finished with the 246 in 74. 
Now that, as as I said, it's a, it's a beautiful shaped car, and when you talk about Dinos, everyone refers to that Dino as being a gorgeous car, and prices have skyrocketed. Absolutely, for the V6 car. Correct for the yeah, V6 car. They're, yeah, they're not V12s. They're half. Yeah, there was one article I read. It says it's half of a V12, right? And they are, but they're not half of the price of a V12. Funnily enough, no, they are up there. There's one thing I always hear when I hear about Dinos: chairs and flares. The chairs and flares. It's a little bit like the Daytona plexiglass, right? What What are the chairs and flares? Well, the chairs and flares refers to the two things. One is the the wheel arches. They have got a lip on them which refers to the flares. And then the chairs refers to the seats, which is similar to the Daytona seats, which is the 365 GT. They're under 200, I think, were ordered with, as chairs and flares X-Factory. So they are rare. Certainly rare, and uh, everyone wants one of those. Absolutely. Okay, so after that came the, the Dino 308 GT4, still named the Dino. Didn't have any Ferrari badging at all in the first one, which came out in uh, 74. 74 to 76, they were branded all Dino. Yes. Right? In 76 to 80, the Ferrari name hit them. Not all of them were actually branded Ferrari from what I've seen. it's um, There was a bulletin that actually came out from the factory not long after the first Dino was built, particularly for the American market, because that was the only car that was actually sold in America at that stage, was only the Dino. So there was no 12 cylinders because they So no other Ferraris were no. available? No, so it was only that the Dino. They they loved the Dino 246, the wedgie shape in the um, 308 GT4. They didn't really like, and certainly they didn't like it from the point of view that it was still very expensive, in the, even though it's uh, the lower price because it wasn't a 12-cylinder, but it didn't have Ferrari badging. So the Ferrari put out a bulletin that you can put Ferrari badging on the front and the back. So, And we go from V6 to V8 now. Yes. Got a bit more power. And Michael, you're lucky enough to own a couple of these cars. And love it. And love it. Why? Why did you buy this car in particular? Well, the 308 the, GT4. The 308 GT4, I bought it for uh, mainly because I wanted a Weber, Weber car. And it was in a price bracket that you could afford. So I bought that in 2013 and it was... Certainly um, left a little bit to be desired. It needed a bit of work. It was a bit tired. It had done a few rallies and things like that. But it was drivable and I thought, well, I'll buy it and then see how I go. If I like it, then I'll start looking at restoring it or doing extra things to it. And they they were all manual, correct? They're all manual. There were no automatics back then? No automatics. So all manuals. They sound unbelievable because of the carburetors. They actually sound, sound really deep, beautiful throttle noise, great revs. But driving them? Driving it, it is, I mean, I love the car to drive. It's a car that you can actually drive daily. Um, the power steering is a problem, and or should I say the lack of power steering. That is uh, definitely, it's uh, very stiff at, at low speeds, you know, car park speeds. But once you get going, the steering is great. It does handle very well. We'll talk about more about that a bit later, maybe. We'll just continue with the evolution. So the 308 GT4, Ori, after that, they brought out a... 208 GT4. Right. Not many people probably know about that one, but the reason for that... It was only for the the Italian market, sorry, and it was because of the size of the engine 
and the VAT associated with that in that market was the reason what it was it was released for in Italy. Yeah, it was that because of the fuel prices. Correct. It was thirty eight percent tax on the VAT on a car with a bigger engine. So that's why the two hundred eight was introduced. And like I said, only delivered in Italy, to be honest. And that two hundred eight went from the nineteen seventy five to I think nineteen eighty. Yeah, correct. Nineteen seventy five, seventy six to nineteen eighty. And yeah. the other reason they bought out the three hundred eight GT four with a two plus two is to compete with a Porsche nine eleven. Yeah, it's an interesting point because the first two Dinos we discussed, the 206 and 246, are two-seaters. Strictly two-seaters. But then we come to the 308 and the 208, they're four-seaters. All four-seaters, yes. Yeah, so why was that? My understanding was mainly that they wanted to compete with Porsche because Porsche had the 911, which was a 2 plus 2. They never referred to it as a 2 plus 2, but they did have what they called the two occasional seats at the back, and it was in the lower price bracket. It still, it was a bit more expensive than the Porsche, but they wanted to compete with Porsche in terms of getting the numbers up. That was a way to get into the American market. I suppose the four-seater getting into the American market also would be more attractive than a two-seater. Yes, yes. So there's argument to say whether the 308 GT4 replaced the 246 or was it a stopgap measure that the 308 GTB actually replaced the 246. But that's maybe a discussion for another yeah, day. that's a good point. The 308 GT4 wasn't well received in the American market because of the wedgy shape and especially coming after the 246. Yeah, so they went away from Pininfarina and they went to Bertone, right? Yeah. So a big change for Ferrari. Certainly a big change. So they rushed the 308 GTB in and by rushing it, what I mean is that they actually made it a fiberglass shell at the beginning. Wow. So okay. the first models, which are the 1976 models, were all fiberglass. Okay. So light, really light yeah, then. Yeah, really light. And they're very valuable these days because they didn't make many. But that was until they had the, the forms for the steel and then they brought them out in steel because the Americans didn't want fiberglass cars because that was more like a kit car or the old Corvettes or things like okay. that. So they're saying if they're paying for a, a more expensive car, they want it in steel. And now they probably want it in fiberglass because it's certainly more valuable because it's the old demand and supply. Wow, Okay. I didn't know that. So that that was a 308 GTB, and then, of course, they brought out the GTS in it and the GTSI, which they went to a fuel-injected in the later years. And that was, again, because of the fuel crisis and, you know, getting the emissions. So the later 308 GT4s and the uh, the later th- uh, 308 GTBs had emission control. So the power was dropped as the years went on until they got to the fuel injected, which got it back up again. So then, yeah, when we get into those 308 GTB, the GT, um, GTS... I? GTS and GTSI, yep. We're back to two-seaters. Back to two-seaters, strictly two-seaters. And these are the ones that now are adorning our screens with Magnum PI. Correct. Right? So Ferrari is now a brand in the US that's starting to make headroads. And most people know about the Magnum PI car. They you know, they see a 308 or a 328 GTB, they, they call it the Magnum PI car. So then the evolution of that becomes a 328. Uh, before that, they actually brought in the, again, the tax break model, the 208. So they did bring out a 208 GTB. Only for Italy or for the world? That, that I'm not sure. Okay. But I know they even bought out a 208 turbo GTB. Yeah, very rare. Yeah, they probably, actually, I'm not sure how rare they are. Did, do, you, do you know the numbers? No, I haven't got the numbers in front of me. They, they are very rare, though. You don't see many of those turbos. And the reason they brought that out, because the 208 was actually quite a, a small capacity engine and didn't have much power. It was one of the smallest capacity built, I think, in yeah, terms of V8s. Absolutely. Um, when they look at it, in history, one of the smallest production runs. That's correct. Not and runs, small, sorry. The, size. 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 <laughs> size 
of Engine. So that was the... And then they finished off the 308 with the 308 QV, which is Quattro Valvoli. Uh, so that was four valves per cylinder, and that went from 83 to um, 85. And then after that, they brought out the 328. The other one that sort of superseded the Dino 308 GT4 is what? Superseded 308 GT4? Was the Mondial. So the oh, Mondial... I, for, I always forget about the Mondial. I always forget, apart from in, uh, what was the movie, um, uh, Vacation. Well, no, <laughs> National that's Lampoon's what... Vacation 2, when she's got the baby in the back. <laughs> When he sees her on the highway again, yeah, but that in was the, in that the second w- episode. Is a Mondial that wasn't in a Mondial, was it? Oh, in, in the, the second, second e- oh, right, okay, National Vacation too. So that Mondial is hit and miss. There's a the people that love them, and yeah, you know, we know someone that got it, loves it, drives it, but it's still wedge-like in shape. The side vents are really nice, but has it aged well? Two plus two, two We're plus back to two. two plus two. I think one of the reasons they didn't like it is apart from the wedge shape, even though it's a Pininfarina design, not a Bertone design, the early three oh eights were brought out when they had the emission controls. So the power in it dropped. So you're sort of going from a, a 308 GT4 Dino and the power dropped to, to the Mondial. Then they brought out the later ones, which you could buy a 328 Mondial. You could buy the um, 3... It even had a 348, where they turned the engine around. So it was a longitudinal engine like the 348. So that one there, you had to actually remove the engine to do the cam belts. But all the previous ones we've been talking about, you can actually do the cam belts or remo- without removing the engine. Yes, you just take off the one of the wheels and you can and the inner guard. Yeah, they produced a fair few of Mondials. I haven't got the numbers right with me no, at the I moment, but they're a popular car. There was a two plus two, uh, very usable and really driving. They reckon they're pretty good too. Yeah, have you ever driven one? I, I've never driven one. I've never driven a Mondial, and I've never driven a two four six for that matter. Yeah. And really, even the uh, GTB, I have driven a GTB, but that was really um, just around a car park, so I can't really say what that was like. And then the Mondial, well, you, we've got the three hundred eight that we've talked about. So that evolves into a 328. The 308 revolved into a 328, yes. And then following that was the um, the 348. Which changes the shape a little bit. I mean, at the back, you've got those horizontal lights now that come in. The 348 is one of those shapes. They're starting to get traction now, but I'm not a fan, I must admit. Well, I've, I've always liked them because they've got the fins on the side like the Testarossa. So it's like a baby Testarossa. I think some of the things that, was against that car is the handling characteristics. It was very tail happy apparently because of the distribution of the uh, the engine or the the suspension. And the other thing as well, when they bought it out, it was compared a lot to the Honda NSX. Okay, for the time. Yeah. Right. So the Honda NSX was reliable and a about the same power or just as much and a lot cheaper. So people were saying, well hang on, I'm not going to buy the three four eight and uh, some of them went to the Honda NSX. I suppose the only 348 that I'd love to own is the Competizione. That's correct. The GTC, we know someone that's got one in Adelaide. Beautiful And car. it is a nice car. And I have driven that. And I must say, that was really good to drive. Uh, it was only on the road, not on the track. The way that guy can drive certainly makes that 348 move. But that's actually quite raw, the car, the 348. But it's a very nice car. In, in the GTC. And we, we haven't really talked about the supercars in this era. That got released at the time. Yeah. Well, the one of them is um, the 288 GTO. So that is, <laughs> you know, 
Aspiration or a unicorn car, I call it. They're so hard to find. What and is if it? You see them. It's a three hundred eight on steroids. Absolutely, absolutely. And they quite rare. And they back then they were able to do the naught to sixty in four point nine seconds for the time. Yeah, yeah, just crazy. I mean, now we're breaking three seconds. We're two point five, two point two. We're going to break two seconds soon. Just phenomenal. Phenomenal for the time. That's right, because 4.9 seconds, I mean, if you take your 360, that's 4.5 or whatever. Yeah, 4.4. And that's, you know, 15 or 20 years later. Yeah, crazy, yeah. crazy. So it's... Um, the F40 came out in that period. Yeah, that came out after the The 512 BB, the V12 came out. Uh, there's some unbelievable cars, but we're not talking about those V12s and those supercars that were released. Yeah, we'll talk about that at, at, at another episode. Because I think, you know... Those cars you've mentioned, apart from the first two, the 206 and 246, they're all mid-engine V8s. Yes. Right? And that's where we're focusing tonight is that uh, this episode is on those mid-engine V8s, which then evolves from that 348 into the 355. Which they say was a beautiful car and the big step from the 348. And yeah, when you read reviews and you look at test videos, YouTube videos, when they test drove them, hands down one of the best Ferraris ever made. And still to this day have got a, you know, a huge following. Well, they all came out with um, gated shifter. No, they didn't, sorry. No, gated shifter. But then it was the first evolution of the F1 paddle shift. Which was a bit sluggish in changing gears. Yeah, correct. The, they know. hadn't got it right just then. Well, they were using the single clutch. Mm-hmm. So now with the dual clutch, you, you know, the gear change time between gears is very, very short. After the 355 came... The 360. And you know, and that's the first mid-engine V8 that had the beautiful display of the engine bay. That's so great. So it had the see-through glass. You know, the F40, like you touched on last week, was probably the first. But this one now was mid-engine V8, everyday car that you can actually see the beautiful piece of art. And like Enzo Ferrari said, you know, when you buy a Ferrari, you're buying the engine. We throw everything else in for free. And with with the 360, they do say it was a big big step up from the 355 in terms of performance. But that seems to go for Ferraris after that as well. Like the 360, the 430, they reckon was, a, you know, performance-wise was a big step up from the 360. And likewise, the 458. Yeah, and the- I think that's an interesting point you raise there because if we look at, the evolution of, and we haven't been lucky enough to drive a 206 or a 246 yet, but when you look at your 308 GD4 to then the Mondial or 308, 328, they're not massive step-ups. They're slight improvements, but they're not massive step-ups like, let's say, 355 to 360 or 360 to 430 and then on to 458, right? They are massive leaps. So I think for the time, these cars just evolved slowly, slight evolutions, as, uh, as time came on. Yeah, you're right. You're really right. The, the 246 went to the 308. You know, there was a slight difference, but the basic engine was the same. The 308 went to a 328, 348. But the 348 to the 355, they went to, they call it the 355 because of the five valves. That's a, that's a step up. Yeah, that's that was a big, step, big up, right? step up from the 348. And likewise, the 360. So let's talk about your... 308 GT4. Sum it up in three or four words what you love about driving that car. Look, it is a real driver's car. When you drive that car, it's you driving it. It's got no power steering. Well, it has now because we'll talk about that another time. But <laughs> no power steering, gears, you've got the gated shifter. If you get that right, it really feels good. The sound, I mean, you have, can't really have a conversation in the car, so you don't really talk, you don't have the radio, but the sound of the engine behind you, the forward seating position, because you sit actually quite forward in that to be able to get the two plus two, you sit quite forward. The pedals are offset to the left a bit, as 
on a right-hand drive car, of course. And the visibility is phenomenal. Really, it looks like you're in a sedan that you can actually see everywhere and you can see over the top of the bonnet because you're actually sitting quite forward. And that's the things I love about the car, that the drivability, it's very, very stable on the road, even though you'd think it'd actually be harsher but it's actually quite smooth. So even when my wife gets in it and we go for a drive, it's unbelievably smooth. So it handles really well. And I think, as I said, I haven't driven the the models after that, like the three to the GTBs. However, this has got a slightly longer wheelbase, which apparently makes it better to handle. So they say it's one of the better handling 308 series cars. What I do like about your 308 is uh, when you sit in the driver's seat, the cluster of gauges are all set up they're on an angle facing you it is like you summed it up it is a driver's car and i think that's that's from the racing heritage that was ferrari and what the evolution of the 206 and 246 and 308s were that series you know those racing cars and set up for like a a boy racer yes certainly the the binnacle is is a bit like probably an airplane cockpit as in the older airplanes of course not the new ones but everything's wrapped around you and it's staring at you. The little toggles, the the switches, it, it, it's it's really good. And ergonomics, everything's there for you. I mean, there's not much that, you know, that, that can go wrong with that sort of stuff and you can see it all. And drivability, if you've got the two rear vision mirrors, it is really good to see even in the rear through the window and that. One thing I do notice, the tyres are really small. They're not actually huge tyres, are they? No, the original tyres came out with 14 inches. So they were 14 inches, 205, 70 series. I've got the 16s. You could There was an option on there that you can get the 16s on them, which were the Campagnolos, and that makes it handle a lot better. I, would, I wonder what it's like to actually drive them with 14s. They, some of them say that, that the package is better with the 14s, so it gives a little bit more slip to the back end. And so... One day, maybe I'll try, because I have got a set of 14 rims, but I haven't got the set of 14 tyres. The tyres are actually quite expensive. You get the original Michelin tyres, they're something like Australian dollars, we're talking $600 each. So they're quite expensive. So we've said about sound, we've said about drivability, comfort, even the back seat's actually quite comfortable, quite large. So yeah, well, an adult can sit in there, though. Well, I'm not sure about an adult. Uh, yeah. I, the, it is, it's quite tight. I've had adult, adults in there, uh, but it is quite tight at the back. But it's a good place to put your shopping if you need. I, I like the fact that you use it for your Targa car. Well, that's my favourite things that I've done is really – I've done the Classic Adelaide a couple of times – um, and just on the tour and not in competition and I've done the Target Tasmania so that sort of thing with closed roads although it was eerie the first time I drove on a closed road because you're going on the other side of the road and you're still thinking you shouldn't be there um, and if you've got a navigator that has got some history with those roads and knows you feel really really comfortable in driving Fantastic. So if if I can ask you this, will you keep the Dino always or will you look at changing it for another mid-engine V8? And if so, which one would you want? Well, in terms of keeping the Dino, I can't see myself selling the Dino. It's, it's something that I really enjoy driving. You can drive it anywhere. People don't frown upon it that you're driving it. Also, it's not red, so it's Azzurro uh, Metalizzato, which is uh, metallic blue. So you can drive it anywhere, and I feel comfortable driving it anywhere. I was lucky enough to go to the Ferrari Nationals uh, in Melbourne, 
I think four years ago or something, and we drove with um, a friend of ours in a 360. He had a gated shifter blue, so he had a dark blue 360, and I was following him in my car, and we went via the Great Ocean Road. I had my cousin Gus with me, so he had a bit of a few stints at driving. He didn't really like driving it that much because at that stage I didn't have power steering, so he was happy to be in as a passenger. But once I got power steering, he says, now I want to drive it. So we drove the Great Ocean Road, did the Ferrari National Rally, which was fantastic. We did some track time and and uh, some people were quite surprised on the track how good and stable that is, uh, even going through the hills and some of the places where we went in, in Victoria compared to their V12s and things like that. So it, that that is certainly one of the highlights of doing something like the Ferrari National. So if you ever got the opportunity to do a Ferrari National in any of the states, you really should do it if you've got a Ferrari. With regards to your GT4, I think it's perfect for what you use it for. And even, you know, like you said, you can take the kids for it, drivability, it's all. What we need to remember, this is Ferrari's first mid-engine V8. Yeah. This set the benchmark now. Now, what does the company make most of? Mid-engine V8s. That's the heart and soul of Ferrari, and this was the first one to ha- to do that. So it's an iconic car. I don't think you'd ever sell it either. The shape at it, at the time, like you said, a lot of people didn't like that wedge shape by Bertone, but I think it's aged well. I think it actually looks it looks better now than it did on release, if that yeah. makes any sense. And I think it looks better in real life than in photos. I don't think photos really do it justice because it looks like it's actually quite straight, but it's got some nice curves. Yeah, it's got beautiful lines. You know. And the question that you asked me before, if I was going to sell it, what would I buy? And the thing is, I still want my Carby car. It sounds, the sounds and, you know, being a classic, it's a 77. It's always going to be... A classic car and the thing is you know I've heard it said before and I've said it a few times but I've this is I've sort of pinched this for someone they said it's um, it's more fun to drive a slow car fast than it is to drive a fast car slow and and that really is true I mean you've got some of these supercars now that you know you do 5,000 revs and you know it's just you're doing 60, 60 kilometers an hour already and you know so it it makes a big difference when you've got to really work at keeping up with uh, the other traffic, mainly on track and through classics. I mean, uh, the the other good thing that, you, you know, you asked about some of the things that I, I like is that you can easily keep up with city traffic. You could actually drive it every day. You could actually drive it every day. Yeah, I noticed you've taken it to the office a few times and that's city traffic, right? And perfect. The the only thing that it does get hot inside, so even with air conditioning, it doesn't really work that well. So there's not not many vents. So cars of that era, how many air conditioners has worked well? Well that's true. <laughs> they all yeah. And this one's got a fairly raking front windscreen, so that does bring in the heat a fair bit more. Fantastic. Mick, I love that car. Yeah, I don't think, oh, oh, please don't ever sell it because you've got a buyer right here sitting opposite you. Congratulations once again on owning that car because it's, it's, there's not many good ones around and we can't wait to see that Blue Metal Zato one come back. Yeah. Well, the reason he says come back, I'm not sure if you heard one of the early episodes, but in Targa, Tasmania last year, in the last, in the last stage, uh, I did, uh, was a bit complacent and I came off the track, or I shouldn't say off the track, off the road and hit a tree stump 
and the front got damaged. I was able to drive back, so... Albeit with a cable tie, but yeah, you were. Yeah, a few cable ties, but it got, got back okay. So since then, I've actually in the midst of doing a nut and bolt restoration. So I am looking forward to that. All right, Mick, I think we'll leave it there. I think we've touched on a few things for the listeners. Yes, I think we've, we've, we've covered a fair bit. Yeah, we've given a good overview of the mid-engine V8s. The heart and soul of Ferrari, as we said, we're lucky enough to own two of them. Mick, one of the first ones. Myself, um, you know, one from 1999 with the 360, and they are great driving cars. And they're all gated shifters. Absolutely gated shifters. All right. You can reach the uh, the show via email at mickandori at gmail.com. And remember, if your car's not a classic, it will be one day.